This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to the Inspirational, Informational, and Transparent Aviation Careers Podcast. Today, we discuss flying opportunities in China with Waz Inc. President Dave Ross. But before we begin, just a couple of announcements. If you have questions, comments, or inspirational stories, please write us at feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. You know, your story may spur somebody to get into this as a career or give them an idea what they need to do moving forward. Also, we have the scholarships guide that's been updated over $120 million in scholarships. And you can get one for free by using the Pay It Forward coupon. To learn more about how to use that coupon, and if you want to donate to the Pay It Forward campaign, check it out, aviationcareerspodcast.com slash payitforward. Also, another thing we're doing to help you out during this period is we're taking our pilot interview course, and every week we're uploading one of our videos. We're actually changing them up a little bit and so that you can actually glean some information about things like, you know, how low can you go on an approach? You know, what are the airspeed limitations? Those kind of things that you'll hear in a technical interview and also in a personnel interview. Anyway, on with the show. Again, today I have with me president of Waz Inc. And it's one of the largest companies that does crew leasing in China, but also does a lot of other things there. We kind of want to get an update as far as what's happening in China. But uh, Dave Ross, hey, welcome back to the podcast. It's been a while since we spoke. Thanks so much, Carl. It's great to talk to you. Yeah, I'm actually really excited because of the fact that it's it's always good to find out what's happening around the world from somebody who is very much entrenched in a specific spot. For you, that would be China, but you're also involved in other things. I know that, but you really truly are one of the experts in China. So let's talk a little bit about as far as, and then we're focusing on from the viewpoint of hiring, et cetera, of pilots and flight crew. How are things going in China right now? Well, it's interesting, um, you know, for for a long time, over the last couple of years, the salaries in China have just been escalating dramatically. You know, there's just unlimited need for, for pilots there, captains especially. You know, they don't hire too many first officers, but um, just unlimited need. And um, one of the things that's difficult for us is, you know, we find jobs for pilots, you know, and right now just around the world, it's just been severely depressed because of the pandemic, and um, China's been no different. Uh, so we've we've had um, most of the airlines we work. We have about thirty airlines that we have contracts with, and uh, most of them have stopped recruiting and probably won't start interviewing again until around the first of the year, I think. Um, but the good thing is for China is that they're recovering a little bit quicker than most other places. Uh, we have a conference call with our team there about uh, once a week. And I think the last numbers I heard was there were only 28 cases um, confirmed in China right now. So um, the airlines are starting to come back. And, you know, with that, hiring will come back as well. That's that's really good news to hear about uh, the number of cases really decreasing quite a bit. Uh, as far as other flying, uh, I know you're all over the world, but I think, what, about 80% of your business is China? Most of it, yeah. We've we've got some in Japan and China, and and uh, occasionally a few other places, but we've kind of focused on China. Yeah. So let's focus there. And one of the things that I know we talked offline about this. So a, a couple of 
things are told to us, and you will be in the know. As far as domestic flying, I hear from people that it the numbers, it truly is the largest domestic route system in the world. Is that true? Yes. Um, I mean, they have 1.5 billion people. Uh, you know, for them, the problem has always been just finding air crew. You know, so they're buying all the airlines are buying aircraft like drunken sailors. And the problem just was finding experienced captains. Um, so, you know, what's happened along with everybody else is that all of that has been suppressed, you know. And, and I think I think right now most of the airlines are flying at about 30 percent, 30 to 40, 35 percent of what their original schedule was in, say, January. So with that, you know, of course, a lot of our crew, a lot of them went home, you know, when the when the pandemic started. And um, they're starting to get called back slowly right now. And, and um, so as they get back up a little towards normal, you know, I think we th- we'll start seeing things uh, improving to where they'll start interviewing again. I'm not sure if it was you and I that were talking about this before. So correct me if I'm wrong. But I think one of the reasons there's such a, a shortage of pilots for the China market is there isn't quite the pipeline there. Well, is that going to change? I, I think it was you and I that discussed this, that possibly in the next 20 or 30 years that'll change because there is an avenue, or what do you think? Um, I don't think so. Well, the, the, a couple of things that happen. You know, most places in the world, well, let's take the U.S., for example, airlines here get um, 35 to 40% of their pilots from the military. Um, so they come in trained already. You know, it's pretty easy to transition them. Uh, China does not allow too much flow from their military to commercial airlines. And so they really don't have that available. And then their training system is very slow. Um, you know, they start out in the U.S., you know, first officers, if you are working on a working with a major carrier, you know, you're probably flying fairly quickly. You start flying every other leg uh, as the first officer. But in China, they they learn by observation rather than learning by doing, which is kind of how we do things. And so they observe, you know, uh, maybe 10,000 flights before they're allowed to do much of anything, you know, so their progress is really slow. Um, you know, it's it's kind of very, you know, regimented and they want to do everything the right way. And, and um, we're kind of more, here, watch me do this once and then you try it, you know, um, but they do everything by observation, which makes their progress a little bit slower. So, that's the other thing that holds them back. Eventually, they'll have enough, you know, to, to kind of supply all their own crew. But one other thing that the pan- pandemic has done is um, a lot of the Chinese crew are trained outside of China, uh, Australia, the U.S. Um, you know, if you look around the U.S. flight schools pr- prior to the pandemic, you know, 80 percent of the students around here were Chinese. And um, now that's kind of all stopped. So. I don't really think they have the wherewithal to put together that many new flight schools. Um, so once things get back to normal, they'll, they'll start sending their kids out again to, to different flight schools. But um, right now, the whole thing is just kind of stopped. So the prediction that it'll go away in the next 20 so years, I think that's not going to come. I don't think so. I, yeah, I, I think it's going to continue. You know, it's China's pretty they, they look long term. You know, I mean, they built a wall that took 800 years to build and they never used it. So they, they don't mind spending time on things. Um, but, um, you know, things will change and, and adapt and as different aircraft types and things like that. But I, I think they'll continue to use foreign flight crews for the foreseeable future. 
you know, we talk a little bit about flying overseas, and uh, I've interviewed actually some other folks about flying overseas. One of them is somebody who's with you. His name is Doug Ward, and at the time, he was a 737 captain. He really goes into a lot of detail. Not that we're going to take time to do that, but there are differences uh, in culturally, but also in the type of flying, correct? Yeah, correct. Yeah. Yeah, and Doug's our, our uh, chief of operations, and um, he's still flying in China. He's been there for almost 10 years. And so... You know, I'm not a pilot. I, I it was kind of a poor career choice. I probably should have been, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but um, uh, people will call me sometimes and say, "Hey, Dave, you know, I had this happen, and they had this altitude, did this and that." And, and I'm like, "Whoa, whoa! You need to talk to Doug Ward. <laughs> you know, he's the expert." But he's he's a, an instructor at Shenzhen Airlines now, and um, has been really instrumental in our growth, and just a very very knowledgeable guy about. You know, so he started out in the U.S. and now he's flying in China for 10 years. So he really knows kind of where you come from and now to how to help you fit in where you're going. And by the way, that's episode 68 where he talks about flying in China and all that still applies, all the different things he talks about, both from the personal life and also from the flying life. It's a really terrific guy, and I really highly recommend you listening to that. And and also, if you want to learn a little bit about what it was like back years ago, uh, Dave and I spoke, and not a lot has changed, a few things, but not, <laughs> not much has changed. It's, it's expanded. The names have changed a little bit, but a very similar model that we have here. Yeah. So. I think one of the things that we have a tough time with is understanding what this whole term is, crew leasing. Maybe there's some way you could explain that to both the pilots and other the, the non-pilots that are listening now. Sure. Yeah. One of the, the things that's attractive to an airline in China about using an agency like ours is that they can avoid a lot of taxes. You know, if they hire you directly, they pay all kinds of social insurance, they pay employment taxes and, all, you know, everything. Uh, it gets very expensive, but by by hiring you as a foreign expert, which is how they, you know, how they classify you in your visa, uh, they're able to avoid a lot of those taxes. So it's really helps them save some money. Um, it's also difficult, you know. You would think, um, you know, hiring up someone from a foreign country isn't that big of a deal, but in China, the way they're used to being treated and the way foreigners are used to being treated is pretty different sometimes. So. Um, one thing that we do is provide a little bit of a buffer there, you know, so I always tell guys that are starting out in China, I said, look, you know, if you get frustrated about something, hey, things are different. You know, they do things differently there. Um, if you get frustrated about something before you go pounding on somebody's desk, you know, come talk to me and uh, we can we can help kind of smooth things over to help solve some of those problems before they become a big issue type of advice would you give somebody who's starting now to seek uh, the possibility of working in China? Well, you know, even this is a good uh, question because even though they're not really interviewing or hiring right now, um, you can do a lot of preparation. You know, if you're somebody that's interested in it um, around the first of the year, over the next four months, you can be studying for their ATP test. And we actually have a program on our website that anybody can use um, that's free and it'll give you random uh, samples of their test, the ATP test. It's actually based on the FAA test, um, but it's been translated to Chinese and back to English again. So um, it can be a little difficult, but um, we'll give you information about the medical, the ATP test, and um, just kind of life in China that kind of you can start preparing that way. So when you're ready to go, you know, it's, it's a little more kind of something you've done all your research and you know what you're facing when you get there. 
If you're somebody who's looking at this as an opportunity, one of the concerns you have is uh, what's going to happen after COVID-19 and how are we recovering? Is there any way you could compare the two markets, the the folks that are here in the U.S. thinking about going to China and also what's happening in China right now as far as aviation? Yeah, and, and this goes back to your question about kind of what um, pilot leasing is about that I, I maybe I, I didn't answer, but, um, you know, it gets to... You know, the difference between if you get hired with a, with an airline here in the U.S., for example, you know, the, there's unions involved and um, a lot of your career progression is kind of determined by, you know, what the airline and the union have negotiated for you. Um, so, you know, sometimes that works in your advantage. Sometimes it doesn't. You know, um, seniority protects everybody, um, the good and the bad. You know, so you might be the best pilot in the world and not be able to progress or do what you want to because of limitations uh, that, that seniority provides. Um, one of the, the good things about going to China is, you know, you go right in as a captain and uh, there's a lot of movement available. Most of the airlines have, you know, 737s and A330s and uh, A380s. You know, you can you can progress. And we actually have a group of um there's probably five of them that started at Tianjin Airlines as Embraer 190 captains. They upgraded to the A320, and now they're on the A330, uh, all in a period of about, um, I'd say, about nine years. Uh, and so, you know, if you want to progress, if you want to fly internationally and things like that, you can do it. Um, but it is a it is a place where they fly mostly out and back, you know, so you're home a lot. So if you have your family, you take your family with you. Um, it's not like here where you might do 17 days out on the road before you come home, you know, uh, you're pretty much home uh, every night in the base. Um, and not always, but, you know, much more than you do here, I think. So there are some pros and cons, just like there is anywhere. Out and backs a lot of times are for those senior pilots here in the U.S. Yeah. <laughs> right. And uh, and there are certain airlines, obviously, that that specialize in that. But when you talked about the airplanes a little bit, so maybe we'll kind of focus on that. If I'm someone that's thinking, gosh, China sounds really cool. And I, I hear this a lot. It's like, God, I, I hope I'll have an opportunity to fly in China. What type of airplane would you suggest somebody focus on? In other words, if I had the opportunity to upgrade on an Airbus uh, 7.3, where where should I go? Well, right now, um, the what's really holding the 737 back is the MAX situation. A lot of Chinese airlines bought 737 Maxes, and they're all on the ground. Uh, so they're all most of them are overstaffed on on the 737 side. Um, so there's much more opportunity right now for A320 captains. Uh, once the Max situation gets resolved, I think that'll be back to normal. You know, uh, but before all this happened, you know, it was kind of equal. 737, A320, the salaries were pretty much the same. The similar number of opportunities. Um, but now, for sure, the A320 is 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 a bigger, um, and 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 I think um, just with the kind of the tensions right now between the U.S. and China, I think they're going to be buying more A320s in the future. Uh, so for sure, that's uh, that's the direction I would go. I think. So sometimes politics plays into this, not just uh, diseases. Yes. So you have to think a little bit about along those right. lines too. Yeah. I know it's <laughs> yeah. kind of the double whammy. 
Yeah, it sure is. And really, really a tough time. I mean, it really is uh, for China, et cetera. It does seem like the numbers are really down uh, in China. But uh, as far as looking towards China, this is something I hear a lot. People are like, well, I can always, if something happens here in the U.S., I can always go and fly in China. But I think what we've talked about, um, yeah, there's opportunities, but it's not, uh, it's similar problems that we have here, right? Right, for sure. And, and you know, I always tell people, look, if you want to do it, do it. Don't wait until keep it as the, you know, the ace in your back pocket, because timing is everything, you know, I mean, look at how we are right now, you know, where I know some guys that were kind of thinking about it, oh, I want to do it, you know, about a year ago, and didn't, and now it's just not available, you know, so you just never know, you know, if you're in the position to do it, and, um, you know, for a long time, it's been a place where you can make $27,000 a month tax-free, um, you know, you go three to three years, and you can come home with more than a million dollars in the bank, and um, you know, it's just it's just about timing. So I always encourage people, hey, if you want to go, just do it. You know, living there is it's easy. You know, people think about hear about and in honestly, when you read things on the internet, you know, a lot of it is the things you read are from people that, that didn't like it, you know, and so they tell it tell about how terrible the Chinese are and things. But you know, if you're a team player and and you don't mind doing things their way, you'll have a great time and and they'll love you, you know. So that's about the biggest thing I would say. I love what you talked about with the internet. I mean, on this show, we talk about that all the time where you have to be very careful what you listen to on the internet and take it with a grain of salt or just filter out all the negativity and look towards the positives. Uh, and but go in with your eyes wide open. And one of the things that you can do by doing that is doing research. I know that you have a lot of tools on your website and they can find that and correct me if I'm, it's, it's wazink.net. Yes, correct. Okay. Yeah. Wazink.net. And by the way, we'll have uh, links in the show notes for all this. But I think one of the things I noticed as I was going through some of the jobs, there are some requirements. What would be different than say in the U S is there like age, any physical requirements, uh, those type of things or any differences there? Um, the, the medical is pretty similar to here. It's a little, it's a little more, diagnostic, you know, so um, they want to know if you might have a heart attack in the next five years, you know, so when they do their medical, it's kind of looking for any small thing that might might become a problem later. Um, but the, you know, the, the other requirements are similar to here, you know, that they, their system is loosely based on the FAA. Um, so you'll see very similar things. Um, most of the airlines require 500 hours of PIC time, uh, 3,000 hours of total time. So really for an A3 cap, A320 captain or 737 captain, those are pretty low numbers. Um, but it gets back to in China, those guys get hired to fly in the A320 and then, you know, our first officers and then become captains. You know, they don't start out on a Cessna somewhere doing sightseeing in the in the Grand Canyon. You know, they, they go right to a, a major airline. And so that's pretty amazing. What would be competitive as far as uh, time if you were looking for a job in China? So, you know, right now it's it's a little different because they have thousands of applications. You know, the airlines that are taking applications just are getting flooded with applications. But just assuming things were normal, um, there's really no competitive or not competitive. You know, if you meet the, if you meet the minimum requirements, they'll interview you. Um, and so people would say that to me, oh, do I need, you know, 2,000 hours to be really competitive, they really don't look at it that way. They they like young guys. So the 500 hours with 3,000 total time is just fine for them. It's, yeah, but a lot of it's attitude. You know, when you when you go there and, and interview, they want to make sure they need captains, but 
they also want to make sure that you're somebody that can fit into their culture um, and and get along and and be one of the team. Uh, China's very team focused or or group oriented as a culture, you know. So in America, we're very focused on ourselves, you know, my overtime, what's I'm doing this and what's going on with my contract and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but they're very, you know, if you're willing to be part of the team and, and you're focused on what's good for everybody, that's, they will love you. And that's what they're looking for. Slightly different philosophy, but uh, it's something that you can adjust to. And it might be something that really appeals to you. So yeah. I highly recommend people looking towards that if they, yeah. if they're interested in that. For sure. As far as, you know, going back to what you said on the pay thing, um, we kind of touched on that. So let's get into some nitty gritty pay benefits, uh, living conditions, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, that number seemed a little high. So what what is a typical uh, captain going to make when they go over there? So, again, pre-pandemic, the average at A320 carriers throughout China was about 25000 a month. Tax, and they pay your taxes for you. Um, there's a couple that were a little bit more than that, but on average, that was kind of kind of the average. And again, that's whether you're a brand new guy or you know you've been there for a while. That's kind of what everybody's making. Um, and then as they review their contracts and increase the pay, everybody gets the new the new pay level. So even if you signed a contract yesterday, tomorrow if they raise the pay, you know you you, you get the benefit of the new contract. Um, What's happened now is we've seen over the last couple of months is a lot of these airlines are kind of looking forward to recovering from this, um, the financial losses is they're starting to lower their pay a little bit. And a lot of it's going to be a little bit more focused on um, flight hour pay rather than at just a lump sum, you know, bonus, kind of a, you get 25,000 and then we'll, we'll fly you 80 hours a month. Um, before the pandemic, almost every pilot we had was flying exactly 80 hours a month. And so we think eventually it's going to get back to that. But a lot of the airlines were one specifically that just renewed their contract um, where the pay was about 25000 a month for 80 hours. And on the next contract is going to be probably about 20000 And so, yeah, it's, it's less, but I think it's still good compared to other places. Yeah, I think the other thing you talked about is taxes paid because, I mean, you can, I know you can make that here in the U.S. as a captain, mm-hmm. but still, um, you know, they're paying the taxes on that, which is a huge burden in the U.S., yeah. you know, and, and there. Obviously. Yeah, I mean, that's potentially 30%, you know, right. oh, yeah. additional. So, How about medical benefits? I mean, what if I get sick while I'm over there? Um, so most of the airlines offer the Ch- Chinese national medical insurance. Uh, there's... I think two that we have that will give you some commercial insurance. Um, but typically it's just, you have access to the, their socialized medicine. Uh, we also offer a group plan that, you know, you, that will cover you and your family. Um, that's, that's pretty uh, affordable as well. So um, you kind of have two options. If someone is, there's two different people, types of people I find that apply for this. There's the the single folks that want to go out and explore, and then there's the ones that have family. Let's talk a little bit about those two. First yeah. of all, the single person going over to China, uh, you know, what what's available for them? I mean, living conditions, et cetera, nightlife, et cetera. Yeah, it, as long as you're in some of the major cities, you know, it's it's like Shanghai, uh, Hangzhou, Beijing, Shenzhen there's a lot of foreigners around, you know, so there's a lot of places. I mean, I've been to a lot of those cities in China and I feel very comfortable. You know, there's other foreigners, places you can go where they speak English. Um, well, you can really live wherever you want, you know, so most of the airlines will give you a living allowance and you can go find your own apartment. 
most of the foreigners kind of live in a similar area just because that's where all the English speaking people are. Um, but, but the, the, but it's really an easy place to live. You know, you'll find there's Walmarts there. Um, a lot of things that you're familiar with brands uh, that you're familiar with and the people are very nice, you know, so it's, it's not, um, it's not bad at all. You know, for single guys, um, they, they actually, they love Americans, you know, so you really are very popular. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good to hear. Yeah. How about for families? I mean, people that are raising kids and want to bring their families over. Sure. You know, it's interesting. When we first got started, I thought this is a thing for single guys. You know, I, I just, for myself, of course, I'd never been to China. You know, the first time we went, I was like, man, I can't imagine bringing my family over here. But after I've been there for a little while, I thought, you know, it's really, I mean, it's not bad. You know, all the kids go to, you know, foreign schools, the, the schools for foreigners. So that's English speaking, very high quality education. And, um, you know, most of the guys that we have that start out by themselves there commuting, a lot of them bring their families over. So of the pilots we have in China, I would say at least um, 50% of them have their families with them there, kids in school. And, um, you know, Doug Ward is a good example because when he went, you know, he took his, he's married and he's got two young girls. And when they, when they went there, they were seven and nine years old. And so they've spent really their whole school careers in China. And about two years ago, he decided it was time to come home. I mean, his older daughter was starting high school and I guess it was three years ago. And he said, okay, girls, we're going back home. You know, mom and you guys are going to live in Las Vegas and I'm going to commute. They went crazy. They complained and complained and complained. But he's like, no, it's going to be better this way, you know. So they went back and we came, went to school here for a year and complained every day. And eventually, at the end of the school year, he took them back to China because they loved it. You know, the, all their friends were there. They had a great just the culture or how they do schooling and stuff is a little bit different. And they just had a hard time transitioning back. <laughs> But they, they loved it. They had a lot of friends from all different countries, and it was just a very good experience for them. That example speaks volumes about uh, the culture and also their experience there. And, uh, you know, my wife was a product of overseas and going to school. Another thing is that you, you form these bonds that last for mm. the rest of your life, especially your, your children. Uh, for sure. And you will keep those forever. That's for sure. Um, as far as, you know, kind of wrapping up here, as far as jobs and other things you might want to say, one of the things that I think there are opportunities out there, I think we have to make people realize that this pandemic has hit everybody. I know we hear the numbers coming out of China, how good they are, but they still need to, they still need to pick up. There's momentum here. Uh, and are people interviewing and where would they go to find out more about jobs in China? Sure. Um, so right now we have two A320 airlines and one 737 operator that are taking applications. Nobody's interviewing. Um, we, even though they haven't really told us when they'll start, we estimate that it's going to be probably the first of the year before anybody's ready to start doing interviews again. Um, so, you know, like I said, you can go on our website and look at all the different jobs that are available. Um, they can email me um, or send a, an email to our, our account at jobs at wazink.net and we'll let them know, uh, send them some details about the airlines that are, that are accepting applications then we just kind of uh, let you know kind of the tools we have to help you get prepared and when they finally do start interviewing, um, what you'll need to do. 
Dave, one of the reasons I, I really wanted to speak to you today is there's lots of folks thinking about taking leaves uh, from their airline. I know you're hearing about it. I mean, look at me. I'm, I'm taking on a leave, and uh, they're wanting to explore the world. This is one of the opportunities. So I think all the things we talked about are really good as far as preparing themselves. Is there anything else, in speaking directly towards those type of people that are taking like a three- or five-year leave, that they should prepare for to get into a job into China as a pilot? Well, for sure. I think this it's the best case scenario. You know, if you have somebody someplace to go back to, it's it makes things so much less stressful. You know, if you just quit your job and move to China, yeah, it's that's scary, you know. But if you can take leave and 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 have a couple of years, three, you know, most of the contracts are a minimum of three years. Um, but you can go to th- three or five years there over there and still be able to come home. Man, it's great. Um, you know, like like I said, that it's it's easy place to live, you know, it's different, but there's so many things to see and do and, and just learning another culture, especially like you said, you know, for kids, it's just something you never find anywhere else. You know, we're, we're pretty sheltered here and being able to go and see, you know, how other people do things kind of gives you a different perspective on, on life and on, on your job. And so we just, um, we see a lot of people that go over there kind of really very worried about how it's going to turn out. And, and by the time they leave are, are very happy with how things went. Well, Dave, this has been awesome talking to you. I mean, this is just terrific that you've come here and great advice that you've given us. Again, it, I highly recommend people have for, for many, many years. I mean, Dave, I've been, I think sending people to you for about 19 <laughs> years. I kind of added it up here and uh, you've, Oh, I've been terrific. Uh, one of the great things about Wazink, I will say, I haven't been paid to say this, is uh, they're very responsive. Uh, they're very friendly. If you have a question, uh, they're very upfront and honest about what you can expect uh, in China. So that's something I really appreciate about your company, what you've done there. Yeah, I appreciate that. I'll, honestly, I'll tell you the good and the bad. You know, I, I don't want anybody showing up in China or any place, you know, and, and say, wow, this isn't what I thought it would be. You know, I'll tell you what to expect and, and how to be successful. And after you get there, then it's up to you, you know, but I'll make sure you have the, the good and the bad before you go. Again, Dave Ross from Waz Inc. Uh, this, they are the people you want to go see as far as pilot leasing in China. If you want to understand flying in China, lots of different things on their websites. Uh, their website there is wazinc.net and you can get a lot of really good information about china and also what you need to do and once again they're more than willing to talk to you dave again thanks again for coming i appreciate it thanks carl and for you that's listening right now one of the most important things i want you to do is think about this if you're thinking about going to china just don't turn this off if you're thinking about taking the next step in your career take action do something today to move forward in your career in your life and by doing that it might be something small checking out their website sending an email to dave or listening to some of our past podcasts it might be something large where you start getting your resume together and you start practicing for the next interview but most importantly whatever it is do something today to move forward in your career we'll talk to you next episode safe flying out there You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although host or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. 
all rights reserved.